Welcome to Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment. Hi there, ladies and gents, and welcome to this episode of the Sophisticated Property Investment Podcast with me, Frank Flegg, founder of Ethical Property Partners, the place where we help you to make annual returns on your properties on a monthly basis. And today I am interviewing Jason Buckler. How are you, sir? Yeah, really well, Frank. Really well. Good to speak again. It is good. For those of you uh, listening, Jason picked, I gave him the choice of times, he picked 7.30am on a Friday morning. I'm impressed, Jason. That shows dedication to the podcast, mate. So let's jump straight in, mate. I think it's been over two years since you were last on the podcast. Just give, for those of the guys that don't remember you, for those that never heard that episode, do you want to give us a little bit of an insight into how you've come to be sitting in your office right now with the properties you have talking to me? To be fair, Frank, it's been, an, it's been an amazing two and a half years that Michelle and I have been on this journey with Ethical Property Partners. Actually, the core person in charge of this when we started was my wife, Michelle. So, you know, we, we got into it because life had become a little bit mundane, to be fair, and we needed something else. And we'd always knew we wanted to do something for ourselves. And I'd been fortunate to be in a, in a very well-paid job. And sometimes it's just easy to sit back and reap the rewards of that. So, yeah, and we've, we found you guys and we haven't looked back, I guess. We've done some amazing deals. We now have 13 properties uh, when we only had three when we started so we've done some amazing deals over that period of time i've learned how to open a SaaS. i'm in a number of jvs with partners within epp to be fair frank it's been a fun two and a half years and 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 that's what we were missing in our lives i guess that's interesting isn't it so many people think that it's about the money they come on and they go i want to do this many deals because if you had three and you have now got 13, you've done 10, haven't you, which is five a year. You know, some people would go, oh, that'd be amazing. I'd love to do that. And yet you haven't told us how much money you've made. You haven't told us how much equity you've got. It's about the fun and the excitement. And it is, isn't it? It's everything's a bit different. Everything's challenging. I see you and Michelle on pretty much every single training day. Well, it's clear you're enjoying the journey because you're playing full out on it, aren't you? In those 13, are you counting our JV, mate? Because I I seem to remember we have a little JV going. No, I haven't included any of the JVs, actually. (laughs) I haven't included the flip either. So, yeah, there's there's, there's a lot more. There's a lot more on top of that, I guess. That's funny. So... (laughs) So for those of you that are listening, let me just describe our JV that Jason's forgotten to mention. This is funny. So the deal that Jason forgot about, uh, amongst many others, is I had a large HMO. How many stories? Uh, One, two, three stories. Yeah, three-story HMO, which was occupied. Oh, my goodness. How many bedrooms did it have in it? Seven. Seven bedrooms in it. Didn't have seven tenants, but it could have had seven bedrooms. And what we've done as a JV is Jason and Michelle have, um, they've exchanged contracts on it. So they're buying it from me and they are converting it into four or five flats, mate. It's going to be five. So we're doing three at the moment and then we're going to have two more on the ground. Two later on. That's it. I remember now. Yeah. So five flats in total. So it's a big old building. So we're splitting into five self-contained flats, all with their own um, utilities, on their own titles. Really nice development, actually. Am I right in saying you're using your SAS funds for that, Jason? Yeah, we use part of our our loan back from the SAS to help us with that. From the SAS to do that, which is brilliant. And then, 
Jason and Michelle will complete the purchase from me and at the same time then use commercial finance to refinance those properties. It will be a no money down deal for you, Jason, won't it, once it's done? And the ongoing joint venture, you might think, well, why is that a JV? It's just a, an exchange with delay completion. It would be. That's absolutely right. Other than the fact that then our ongoing JV is once Jason and Michelle have got all their funds back out. So they've put the money in. They've overseen the works. But once they've got their money out, we're then 50-50 on the, the five flats. So I maintain an interest, an equitable interest for 50% through a deed of trust. And Jason and Michelle own the five flats and they have a 50% equitable interest. Have I described that accurately, Jason? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, exactly. Right. Awesome. <laughs> At least it, it would have been bad if you'd gone, no, it's not how I understand it. You want 50% afterwards? <laughs> Might have been a bit embarrassing. Awesome. So what were the numbers, mate? What are the scores on the doors? When we started... Started, we had an income of 1300 a month we will have an income of 6000 a month when um, the deal's complete I guess as you know I, my strategy all the way along has been to get enough monthly income to be able to ultimately leave my job leave my full-time job because Michelle's having all the fun and I'm having to go to work every day Frank or at least into my office in the house and, and as you know you know I, I, you know I get to a lot of the training days but sometimes I have to waver off to the training days and I have to sit here and sometimes getting dialing from zoom and stuff so yeah and from an equity perspective it's going to be half a million extra equity we've managed to put on in that time frame as well but we've chosen our strategy to help us with i guess me exiting my my job and i guess the plan there was that would be would be five years yeah that would that was really the thing around that so yeah, I mean, you're right. The numbers, you know, stack up really well in, in, in what we've done and the journey we've been on. Mm, absolutely. It's impressive, mate. A little bit of a personal question. You don't have to answer it. How much was your monthly take home from your job? How much were you trying to replace? So it was, it was, a, it was a six-figure salary. So um, we, were, we were trying to get somewhere near 7,000. Okay. So you're quite close to that then, aren't you? Yeah, we are quite close to it. Fantastic, which is really... One of the main reasons I've invited Jason on the, the podcast for this episode is to describe how you can get rid of the golden handcuffs of a six-figure salary. It's very, very difficult. I've actually come across people on training courses. This is me on training courses. I still invest in my own property education where people go, well, trouble is I can't really do property because people talk about being financially free. And I remember one in particular as an airline pilot, he said, I'll never replace my income. You know, I earn hundred grand a year, you know, a hundred quid a month buy to let isn't going to cut it. Just goes to show it two and a half years and you've absolutely done it. So prior to yesterday, Jason, when were you leaving your job? I was leaving on the 31st of December. So we're recording this on the 18th of November, six weeks time? Six weeks time, yeah. Amazing. So two and a half years, was that your goal? Or did I hear you say your goal was to do it within the five years of the franchise? No, yes, absolutely right. So the goal was when we sat down, Michelle and I, to do our plans, as you know, you sit down and do your goals. And the five-year goal had me leaving my role. And I guess that was predominantly down to how fast we thought we could grow the business in reality and where we thought we'd be. And then I guess opportunities arise, don't they? And you have to grab them. And, and I think also... Frank, very much I've learned a lot about me as a person and actually the positions I need to put myself into to get the best out of myself. So interestingly, when somebody comes to me and goes, oh, would you like to leave at the end of the... And it was, in fairness, a company I've been in for some time. Uh, and sometimes they, you know, there's opportunities to, to leave at, at certain points that is mutually advantageous to you and to them. And they said, oh, there's an, maybe an opportunity to leave at the end of 
2022, would that work? And I remember sitting down with Michelle and, and we looked at the numbers and we went, it's probably a bit early. And then we sat down and went, yeah. And actually we work a lot better when sometimes you go, right, well, that's the date. Let's get on with it. It's amazing what you can achieve, I guess. And so you said yes. Just out of interest, I really want to drill into this, mate, that's all right. Just out of interest, when they said there's an opportunity to leave at the end of 2022, when was that? When was that conversation taking place? That took place in October 21. 14 odd months before, yeah? Yeah. Brilliant. And did they know that you wanted to leave or was that just a chance conversation or had you gone to them and said, look, this is my long term plan? I had had a conversation with my boss at the time. It's very hard not to talk about stuff that you're enjoying doing. Yeah, he knows. And, and I think he'll become an investor at one point within our business. <laughs> we'll pay your commission, mate, if he comes on as a partner. <laughs> we'll have half, half of your company come and join EPP. <laughs> exactly right. I think so. it's interesting, actually. They look at me and they go, wow how have you done that in two and a half years and I go yeah I know it's good isn't it it's like it's good fun isn't it and they can, I think they can see because it's interesting actually some companies they would be quite threatened by it actually they can see that I'm a better person doing my day job because actually is really working as well so yeah it was a mutually a mutual conversation frank which was like they actually moved me off my day job and said we want you to come and deliver this project for us it's going to take a year we think you're the you know the person that can do that for us would you do that and that makes it really really good actually because i went away from doing what was a you know a fairly not a mundane day job but i've been it a long time frank you know i've loved what i've done for the last 30 years but it can become a grind yeah and I've, I've had a project to do a special project as sometimes people call it to leave a company it, it actually is quite an important project because we don't have a telephony system we can't answer customer calls if it doesn't go live at the end of the year i've been working that and um you know working towards an exit at the same time it was all good you were leaving in six weeks time you've ramped up the property purchasing has that helped having that line in the sand you said it was a bit early but actually from a property investing perspective has that motivated you has that driven you to achieve more than you perhaps would have done otherwise i think it has frank i think you know i think and the thing is this is about understanding your own makeup because just be really honest about it michelle and i have talked about being our own bosses doing something for ourselves for a number of years and it's always easy isn't it to go oh oh well, well, well life just gets in the way you know, we just go on. We've got three great kids. They're growing up. We like to do lots of things. And, you know, you get into a rhythm. And that rhythm is not always good, yeah? You need to challenge yourself and, and move yourself out of that and just see what you can achieve. And having that line, I guess some people would look at that line in the sand and go, oh, that's a bit scary. And it is a bit scary, yeah? <laughs> but, you know, as a, as a lot of the education that we've done. Walking away from seven grand a month blanket it's a comfort blanket isn't it is always going to be scary absolutely you know and i guess that what we've learned over the last two and a half years is a lot of that stuff i mean feel the fear and and do it anyway yeah i think is one of the one of the books yeah and and i think you know we we looked at it and went okay let's feel the fear and do it anyway i'm not suggesting for one second frank we don't wake up some mornings and go oh it's six weeks or it's eight weeks we better go you know but it helps to not that we've needed a lot of motivation, Frank, because, you know, we have played full out, but actually, you know, helps to focus your mind in certain areas, doesn't it? We've used it more as motivation rather than um, as, as, a, as a stick, I guess. I know that a lot of our listeners are putting out their first tentative feelers. In fact, I was speaking to a guy just yesterday, got a very successful business up in, I think it was Halifax, Yorkshire, and... He said he didn't have a lot of money to invest in property, had no experience, 
and he said, what would you suggest I do? I think he said he had 5,000 pounds, four or 5,000 pounds to invest. He said, what course should I go on? And it's really interesting. I said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't spend any money on education if you've got five grand in the bank. He said, yeah, but I'm definitely going to get into property. I've built my business up. I'm going to start taking money out of my business. And I said, that's great. But right now I would just be accessing free education. I'd, I'd listen to, to the sophisticated property investment podcast. I'd listen, I'd watch our YouTube channel. I gave him a few names of people that are solid in terms of their education. I said, anything that Rob Moore puts out is solid. Um, anything that Simon Zucci puts out is solid. But I said, you get a lot of their stuff for free. And so the reason I mentioned that, Jason, is a lot of our audience are in full-time jobs, They've got the golden handcuffs on. They've felt the fear and they've gone and hid under the duvet. They haven't yet stepped into that fear and and used it and drawn a line in the sand. Haven't even perhaps started investing in property. You, you and Michelle, I, and I can remember, by the way, I can remember us talking on the stand in, I want to say it was March 2020, something like that, just before, might have been February, just before COVID hit. Do you remember in the expo in the um, Birmingham NEC? And it, there was no one there. It was like tumbleweed. And then along along came you and Michelle. Do you remember that? <laughs> I mean, it was, it was ridiculous. You'd walk around and like, you'd be, that's where McDonald's should have been. That's wherever it used to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the corporates weren't there because they couldn't make their staff go in the middle of a, at the start of a pandemic. But all the um, owner-operators were there because it's like, I've paid for this. I'm, I'm coming. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it was really funny. The people that turned up like yourselves, they were serious. There might not have been many people, but the number of people we spoke to was really low. I sat down with the organisers afterwards and said, that was rubbish. You shouldn't have run it. You've taken our money from us. You've like, you know, strong armed us into doing it because you couldn't get out of your contract. But our numbers are so low. I'm really disappointed. And he said, how long will it take for you to be able to tell if that was a rubbish show? And I said, six months. We'll know in six months because, you know, people come along and do a one day seminar and then a four month trial. And I said, I'll, I'll know in six months for definite. I'll probably know in two months but he said well give me a call and I did I phoned up the CEO of um, Venture Marketing who, who run the um, British Franchise Association um, shows I said I've just got to say mate it was the best show we've ever done <laughs> He said, Frank, I can't believe you phoned me to tell me that. He said, you were like really scathing. He said, you weren't unfair, but he said it was hard to hear your very blunt feedback. And well, I just say how it is. And I said, we had so few people. I said, but I look at the list now and so many of them are franchisees. <laughs> I said, the quality was there. So I take it all back where you made a great judgment call. So I can remember you and Michelle. And it's a bit of a game I play now when I see people who are really successful in EPP like yourselves. I do think back to when I um, first saw them and how they were on the stall. Now, I'll tell you another funny one. Um, Paul Garrett, I'm going shooting with Paul actually tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going shooting up on the Welsh border. Never been shooting before. He's very kindly invited me. And I can remember him coming to the stall the first time and I really wound him up. <laughs> he told me afterwards, he was like, yeah, you very nearly <laughs> had me gone forever, Frank. And he sat in, our, in the audience. Did you come with Michelle mate to the um little talk we do we do a half an hour talk at the shows did you come to that or not yes we did yeah well Paul sat in the audience <laughs> and heckled me <laughs> 
<laughs> it was like, um, I think it was a different show. I don't think it was the same show you were at. I think it was a different one. It might have been the same one, actually, but maybe a different day. And he was like, your numbers are wrong on that slide. And they were. They were wrong. <laughs> there was a typo on the slide. He's like, that doesn't add up to that. And you know, like, I was, you only, there's normally only 20 or 30 people in the audience. I'm like, oh thanks and then I carried on and then he said something else and I was like I'm not enjoying you being in my audience <laughs> and now he's like two years on he's uh he's doing deals and he's inviting me shooting it is funny so my question to you Jason off that massive tangent is some people will be listening to this and they haven't stepped out into the fear what would your advice to them be to absolutely do it I, th- I think you need to find what it is that you want yeah I, I, and it's really and that sounds really profound I guess I can tell you what their answer would be it would be well I want to invest in property I want to replace my income from a day job I want to quit my day job and I want to uh, be financially free and I'm being glib because this is what I've heard hundreds of times I want to be financially free I want to be able to be anywhere in the world which is basically what you and Michelle have achieved probably not with you know the snake oil sheen that um, a lot of them will will be using but you have achieved it so um, that's what they would say to that and that's fair and I think I think that's probably what Michelle and I would have said as well to be honest you know in and around the, that type of thing but we we obviously were replaced placing you know a, a gap in around having a bit of fun as well at the same time so so the bit would be is to like you say take the opportunity to listen to the podcast i, I pretty much listened to all of the, your podcast frank in the, in that first year and a half and i listened to not, not anymore, mate. They're boring. Do you know what my other half says? <laughs> Paula says, you really do go on a bit, Frank. <laughs> uh, well, in fairness, I listened to Mike's on the way up to Manchester the other day, and I, and I messaged Mike afterwards and said, Mike, thank you for doing that. He made the journey up to Manchester a lot more enjoyable than it was going to be on a cold morning. So, yeah, but, and, and, the, point, and the point being is that they might come back and go, well, I haven't got time. I go, okay, do you exercise? Do you do anything? You know, so, you know, we talk about getting yourself fit first. Yeah. Getting getting your head in the right place, doing the exercise you need to do. And, and I, do, I still do it now. Yeah. So I tried to exercise I, and I listened to something on, on that exercise. So, you know, it, it, it might be a podcast. It might be an educational book. It, it could be anything, but anything that, that is important to me on that day. Because when I get up, it could be I need boost of this or a boost of that. And that just helps to frame what it is that's important for the day. It gets me in a really good space. So it means I can be at my best. It's doing that in the first instance. I think that helps to bring some clarity into the thought process around why you want to do that. If you can find the why and then make the why big enough, and this might sound a bit glib as well, you you can pretty much do anything. Michelle and I look back at this journey and we talk about five years. Well, that's because we thought, did we even think it would be five years? I bet if we were really honest with ourselves, went, well, it's going to be 10, isn't it? before I can leave my job, let's be reactive. You know, we only had three houses, Frank. We weren't earning a lot of, you know, they weren't earning us enough money. And I now look back and go, could we do it in two and a half? Yeah, we could, because we could make other we could make other changes. Would we be prepared to do that? Yeah, we would be prepared to do that because we know that we, we're on a journey that we're enjoying and we, we, we will make it work. There's an inner belief within us now that we never had before. And that is really, really important. Because at times it will get rocky. You might sit back and go, well, this might not work. But you need to be able to fall back on either your education or, or, or some wins and go, well, no, it did work. And I can make it work and we will make it work and we will we will get there. So that's what I would say to, to those people. I think you need to find the why. And if the, if the why is big enough, then you can make anything work. And this is the journey that we chose to be on because we really enjoy it. It's good fun. I think that's such good advice. So many people 
start with the well, what do I need to do in fact I'm presenting this morning to a group of uh, business owners and um, they've asked me to do a section on um, 12 month goals because they're they're helping it's a mastermind of uh, business owners they are wanting me to help them to formulate their 2023 goals and I said um, how long how long do you want me to take and they've given me four, a 45 minute slot and I've said okay I'm going to spend the th- first 30 minutes on their 10 year goals. And they said, no, 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 this is about 2023. I said, I know, but unless they get clarity on where they're going in 10 years, what they put in for the next year is going to be wrong. They're going to be going in the wrong direction. If, if you hadn't got that goal of earning seven grand in, it's interesting that you thought actually in reality it was going to be 10 years and then you achieved it in two and a half. That's amazing. But yeah, you've got to get that clarity because then the next step becomes easy, isn't it? Right, we've got to do this many deals in this many months. And as you start to overachieve that, you start to see that 10-year goal come closer and that gives you more motivation and then you go a bit faster and it comes even closer again. So yeah, it's interesting. Good advice, mate. Really good advice. So you've touched on the second part of this interview, which we can segue into really nicely now. And that is getting yourself fit, working on your mentality. And you've talked about physical fitness, but you also talked about mental fitness. Two things I'd like to get your perspective on. The first is at the EPP annual retreat about 6 p.m. on the Sunday night. I announced to the room, you were in the room, that in the morning at 6.30 a.m. we'd be doing a seven-hour challenge to basically run or walk as many miles as you could in, in seven hours. I'd love to know what your journey through that was. And then we can move on and talk about the challenge you had just a few weeks later. So Talk me through that challenge, Jason, because I, I tell you what I've heard from people. I've covered that quite extensively on the podcast. Uh, You've probably heard it. In fact, I think Michelle might even be on the um, the YouTube episode I did about my challenge along Hadrian's Wall, because I think I had a rather comical phone call with her at like 11 p.m. where it was raining, it was dark. I think I was lost, and she sent me a lovely message, and I left her like a, a windswept voice note. Hi, Frank. I just wanted to wish you all the best with your journey. I bet it's getting pretty gruelling now, but you've just got to keep going. You're going to easily do it. Hey, Michelle. Thank you so much for that message. Yeah, it's pretty tough at the moment. Been going uh, 15 odd hours, raining. <laughs> and the, the route is really hard at this point, really, really hard. So your message has come at exactly the right time, thank you. I'm hoping they'll start signposting it a bit better. Uh, love to you both. Yeah, have a good night's sleep, guys. Think of me while you're <laughs> all warm and snuggly with your cups of cocoa. <laughs> so um, let's start with how did you feel at 6 p.m. when we announced it? Because some people have said, I've had feedback going, that isn't about property investing, Frank. Like, great, you enjoy doing, you know, some crazy stuff. You enjoy testing yourself. But that hasn't helped me. You doing a podcast episode, you doing a YouTube episode on on walking Hadrian's Wall, you know, leave that to one side, tell us more about property. And I disagree 100%. So talk us through that journey, mate, of how you felt, what you then achieved the next day, how you felt afterwards, it'd be really valuable. Yeah, and I agree with you, by the way, Frank, I think it's everything. And I touched on it maybe at the, at the start of this conversation around the stuff that Michelle and I have learned in the two and a half years around who we are as individuals, what's important, and learning, actually, and learning who you are as a person and then why you do things in a certain way. 
and then not accepting that that is the, the way that it always has to be. Take the good things clearly, and actually, not all of the things, by the way, you know, that doesn't mean that they're bad just because you do it in a work in a certain way. But being conscious about it is massively important, and being able to choose to be the way you want to be about certain things is also massively important. You know, I've set myself a challenge because of being on EPP, of putting myself massively out of my comfort zone for every year now going forward. There will be a challenge. Jason will participate in that challenge if he wants to or not. <laughs> you've you've suddenly got all serious. You've, you've turned into the third person, <laughs> Jason. <will. laughs> well, sometimes I have to be like that with myself, Frank, yeah? There's a person sitting on my shoulders going, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? You're an idiot. So, uh, so you know, uh, in 21, it was to run London Marathon. And in 22, as you've you sort of alluded to, was to climb Kilimanjaro. And I'll, and I'll talk about that in a second, uh, because there's a backstory with my dad and stuff like that. But how did I feel in the room on the Sunday night? I, I, I think, and, and I mentioned this, um, I think, the day after in, in the wrap-up. And I won't swear on the podcast, but I was angry, Frank, with you. I remember it well. I've not, I've not asked it just because I want you to blow smoke up my uh, hiney. I was I was I was angry, and I'm not angry for the, why everybody else was angry. I was angry because I knew that I wouldn't be able to participate in the way that I. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say you just said everyone was angry. I'm not sure everyone yeah, was. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure there was one or two people no. that were a bit excited. You people that you spoke about that weren't necessarily that happy about it. You say the reason I was angry was because I was like climbing Kilimanjaro in a week I cannot go and run however far I think I can run on the Monday because I knew that I would be probably broken for about a week if not longer and I you know and I may have even tweaked something or injured something and and therefore I wasn't going to be able to play in the way that I thought I wanted to play yeah so this and this is the this is the old Jason I guess which is I'm a competitive person but first instinct was I had a quick look around the room and went right okay I'm going to be the person that goes the furthest. That's the old Jason. Yeah, that's the old Jason. That's the competitive person that 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 I am. And, and if I choose to be, I can be. And then I sort of sat back and I could see the people, some of them who know I'm competitive looking at me. So there was Dave and Matt who looked over and just gave me a little wink and went, you're not going to be happy because they could sort of see they know I'm you know and, and actually probably I was looking at them two going yeah but you two are the people I was probably going to be racing with and or running with or whatever it would be so I guess I went to bed that night and I, and I knew that I had to reset for what I wanted to achieve in the morning the plan on, in the morning was to not be competitive so there was there was even even getting up in the morning it was like I could probably still run a long way here yeah? I could probably still do longer than I've ever run in my life you know I'd run 26 obviously the marathons as long as I've been but I could probably still do that and still do Killy and I was like now come on you, you you need to you need to find a different so what I decided to do was I was going to support other people I was going to make it the best that they could be I was going to try and run in a different way. And I would go until I felt any sign of a niggle or, or anything like that. I didn't know how far, to be fair. How, And that's actually quite strange for me to do as well. So on the day, one of the team hadn't run a marathon before, Matt. And I think in his head, he was like, well, we're gonna, who's going to try and do this? Another colleague, Rich, who I think had only done literally 5K before the day. I remember um, that. He was un- unbelievable, Rich, yeah, wasn't he? Crazy. Yeah. I mean, crazy. I mean, he's clearly fit because he does a lot of martial arts and stuff. And, and it was it was really weird. So the five, the four of us, there was Rich and there was Matt and there was Dave. And Dave done a marathon the year before uh, as well. So literally, cause it, but he, he literally ran around his park on about, you know, repeat until he'd finished, which was which was 
crazy because that must be so hard to keep running around the same place. However, we sort of got ourselves into a group. It was really weird. It wasn't a plan. It wasn't a plan. We didn't go, right, we're going to run together. And there was some brilliant camaraderie within that group. And, and you know, and, and Richard tagged on, which was brilliant. And Matt was there. And I suppose we just, we got ourselves into a little bit of a rhythm and we were chatting to each other. And we were just trying to keep each other going and we were talking out about the pace and we you know there was a little bit wasn't a through the woods where we were like right let's just drop it back a little bit we were just checking in that everybody was okay in the group and the pace was okay because since the london i've really struggled with running physically or emotionally mate how have you struggled well it's, it's really weird I, I so probably but and, and i think it's from there from that day actually both actually so then i've realized that some of it's mental some of it's like you know you tell yourself that you're only going out for a 5k run and but when you're 3k in you're going well can't be asked to do the over 2k now do you know what i mean it's like in the marathon it was literally get up in the morning and go and we'd have a conversation with challenge and i'd go yeah i've only got to run a half this morning i'm not sure whether the word only in a half ever went to bed, but they, they do don't they at some point and physically i'm you know my, my legs are tired and stuff like that but i got a little bit of my mojo back it was really weird it was like it was just something different and actually watching rich in particular and matt but Rich, you know, because it was only after I think we'd done two laps, Rich sort of, I was chatting to Rich and I said, um, during one of the, the refuel break, he says, I don't run, Jace. I said, well, how far have you run? He went, 5K. I went, wow. Because he's, I think a lap was what, three and a half, four miles or something, wasn't it? I said, well, we've just done double that. So he said, what you <laughs> I said, well, let's go again then. Let's get out. You know, so we did, I think, so look, I did four laps and then the guys went out for their final lap. Or was it three laps and they went out for their final lap which was the map and at that point I decided that I'd done enough you know supported the guys I felt really bad actually because Rich had to do the last lap by himself and I so nearly went I so nearly went out me wanted to go my body was going no no you said you weren't going you said you weren't going it was one of those real ones where I was like I was so torn because boys had gone so Dave and Matt had gone and, and Rich was there and I was looked at him and I was like, oh no, I'm going to have to. And then I sort of went, mate, off you go. And I sort of pushed him out the door. And I, like, I remember going back and getting myself a cup of tea. And I guess the learning for that was is you can be different. Yeah. For, for me, it was massive. I was angry that I wasn't going to be able to compete in the way that I, I felt that I always competed. Uh, but I chose to be different. I chose to do it in a different way. I got a lot of satisfaction, a massive, enormous amount of satisfaction from what everybody did on that day. Because, you know, I know I've talked about my own small group, but people, we, we passed them and, and we've chatted to people. We chatted to you, Frank. And it was clear that some people were in a lot of pain and, you know, and we'd give them a little bit of a G up and they'd give us a little bit of a G up as we went round. And there's a lot unbelievable camaraderie, which EPP is about, yeah, because at times it isn't always you know roses in the garden but yeah that then i guess that then led me on to well then i sort of set myself up then yeah because killy was <laughs> then killy came a, a little bit more into focus yeah because obviously i decided i wasn't going to do that and i was now left with, with climbing kilimanjaro before we come on to killy mate i just got a couple of reflections and questions really for you that was <laughs> i'll be blunt right that was a really entertaining story and clearly you found it hard not to push yourself and stuff you said the old jason the old competitive jason and then you've alluded to the fact that you were someone different. How does that relate to property investing? And if it does relate to property investing, all I'm hearing or all a cynical person might hear is, well, that just means taking your foot off the gas. Why wouldn't you just be as competitive, as aggressive as you possibly could in, in property investing? It served you pretty well. You've done, you know, 
six grand a month and 500 grand in equity and 10 deals plus a load that you didn't count (laughs) hours you know taking your foot off the gas and i'm going to be deliberately provocative and quitting after three or four laps how's that served you so i don't i don't see it as taking my foot off the gas or 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 quitting after three laps (laughs) i know mate i don't either but (laughs) i know you don't i know you don't and i know you you know i i see it as choosing to be different i've got to where i've got to today being very very good in a very very narrow space okay so i was very fortunate to get into the role that i do straight after university it served me well and i've been very narrow-minded as well So you've been with with your company since uni have you mate no but i do the same job so i I've been in six companies, but basically my role is to tell, to basically calculate how many customers are going to call your call your contact center today, or how many people are going to contact us. I've done that in six blue chip companies around the UK and around the world. It's pretty much what I've done. Yeah, it's you know, it was a niche job when I got got into it, and now it's obviously a bit more mainstream. I've maximised that element, and we've done what we've done on the back of that. But I've done it in the same way, Frank. And I guess what I've broadened my horizons to is that there's more than one way to to do things at times and i think you have to choose to be who you want to be on that in that situation and on that day maybe as well and some things i would never have done yeah simply would never have done we would have never have been in the situation on sunday night frank because there's not a chance in hell that i would have climbed kilimanjaro two and a half years ago not a chance it's a 100 percent. i would not be on i would not have climbed kilimanjaro wow that's amazing isn't it 100 percent. yeah not even a doubt so i would have rocked up on sunday night and when you'd announced that i would have tried to run as fast as i could for as long as i could and to try and win it in whatever win what and win would have meant back in that day to go the furthest than anybody else in that room that would have been the win. which is funny because that's arbitrary you could have like a an elite marathoner in the in the room and then you failed or you could have a load of fatties and it, it could it could be 10 miles it's interesting isn't it yeah the win there is actually about and, and, and a lot of the win with, the, with I'll be honest with you, with the the, the EPP is, is the people, Frank. We have great friendships with all of, uh, you know, the, I say all, the, the very vast majority of the, the EPP team. And we get, you know, a lot of enjoyment from that. I love their journeys. I love listening to the Mike journey. Uh, we've been there since the start. You know, you can pick all any of the people on the partnership and you, I listen to their journeys and it just inspires me to go, wow, look at that. How good is that? Well, come on, we can do this with that you know and building that relationship you know i was good friends with rich but i was massively inspired by what rich did on that day and i think it's like you can get up in the morning and you can achieve anything if you, if you want to rich didn't go, rich had done 5k i look at that and go wow but what do you want to achieve so when we joined this i, I thought it was about you know it, and it was about happiness but uh, and it was about providing a passive thing of course it was. it was about leaving my job because i wasn't happy doing the job that i was doing yeah and there's obviously a, a ways to means of doing that but it is also about you know, the personal journey that I and Michelle have been on is massive. And we've, we are very different people today than we were two and a half years ago. And we are better people in our eyes. And, you know, and, and hopefully out, you know, we behave in a very different way than we did two and a half years ago. And I know that sounds very profound. It's like, yeah, well, what, well are you? It's like, well, well, I know I am. <laughs> and, that, and I guess that's the, the difference. Yeah. Fascinating. That I'm, uh, just reflecting on, on some of that, mate. Let me talk about Killy. So, I mean, I said, I so let me say, you know, so there's no way I would have climbed Kilimanjaro. And, and, and it's, and it's, why? Why Why is there no way? And how come you ended up doing it then? It's a ridiculous, it's a ridiculous reason, Frank. Totally ridiculous. People go, yeah, could, well, was he fit enough? Could he have done this? I've slept one night in a tent, Frank. <laughs> 
one one night in a tent. I cannot think of anything worse. Honestly, can't think of anything worse than basically being cold, getting in a tent, going to bed. You know, not having you know not having getting up and having a a warm shower, getting a cup of tea or you know or whatever. You know, it, it's it's crazy stuff. I mean, it really is. Is I'm very much a. I suppose it well, was a creature of habit. I had to do things in a certain way. And it's just strange things like that. I, you know, I don't think mentally I would have been tough enough. When it got, when it got tough, I probably would have gone, in my mind, I probably wouldn't have put myself in that situation. I might have gone, it's going to get pretty tough out there. Can you do it? Are you going to be able to get up there? Are you going to be able to make it? And I just chose to be very different about, about everything. You know, so, you know, so yes, it's going to be cold. Yes, it's, yes, it's going to be, yes, you're going to go to bed and you may not get a, a, lot, a lot of sleep. Yes, you're going to get up in the morning and you're going to have to walk a few miles. And, you know, I, don't, I, don't, I really, I, don't, I climbed Snowden once. You know, I'm not a massive hiker, Frank. You know, I might do a few miles on the road. I just about managed to walk my walking boots in before. before, uh, before. Yeah, get your 50 miles into your boots. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I guess I did it with my dad as well. So my dad said to me, look, I'm thinking of climbing Kilimanjaro. I looked at him and went, you're mad. You're utterly mad, Dad. But then it was a bit like, well, I get, I get an opportunity to spend seven days or a bit longer with my dad. You know, that, that, that's priceless. You know, he's, he's 75 next week. Wow, and he did it. Did he get up and down? Yeah, he got up and down. Yeah, he got up yeah, and down. 74. Wow, that's impressive, that is. If I could do that at 74, I'd be chuffed. Exactly. But, I did, you know, so... I did it because he wanted to do it and I thought that would be good. But I knew I knew I'd be looking at all the things that are on my list of things I probably wouldn't want to do, yeah? You know, it's like all these things. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that's why I would never have done it. I just simply wouldn't have done it. It was like, why well, would I want to do that? Michelle was a, would have been a much better um, person to have been my dad's wingman on it, yeah? If she would you know, love to do. I guess as well, though, for my kids, yeah? I did it. I did it because I want. they, they went to me, you're going to hate this, Dad. I'm not doing it because... Of I, it's something I love doing. I'm doing it because it's putting me so far out of my comfort zone on a whole raft of things. I want to be able to prove to myself that when I want to do that, I can do it. It's not about anything else. It's literally about you can do anything, kids. And Michelle came up with a fantastic idea about doing like a, a diary uh, and actually turned it into a video diary. And I sent them a video diary every twice a day, once or twice a day, just really raw how I was at that point in time, how I was feeling. If it was good, bad or indifferent, they got it. And I've really tried to be very open with them about the whole journey. And I did a massive reflection on it around why I did it and why I chose to do it. And the fact that sometimes life isn't easy yeah? and you have to put one foot in front of the other. And it was really interesting. It was only when I was doing the reflection, I realised that the guys, the team that we went with, have got a massive system, Frank. They've got a system. And it's very similar to the system that we've got at EPP. Yeah, there is a system. If you follow the system, you'll get success. Their success is, if you follow our system, we'll get you to the top of Kilimanjaro. I remember some days thinking, why are we doing this? Why are we walking higher to come back down and sleep a bit lower? But that's what you do. That's how you acclimatise. They, they walk you higher and they bring you down they make you eat they make you drink when you don't want to drink they, they literally you know they, they've got a system that says if you follow this system and you do what we ask you to do we will get you to the top of Kilimanjaro and they got us there I mean you know ultimately they succeeded in in achieving what they do and uh, you know we came to the, you know a couple of training days and we did this stuff and you, you you know you follow the system you do your leaflets you send your leaflets the call comes in you may not know what's coming next but you know where you can go. And, you know, like they were there to guide us. Some of the EPP stuff's there to guide us as well. You know, we may not have all of the answers, but it's not about doing that. It's about taking action, being brave, I guess. It, it may, may be there as well and putting yourself right out there. So, yeah, that's that was, you know, Killy was, was much more about doing something I would never have done. 
yeah, never would have never have even crossed my mind to think about it for a really crazy reason. Yeah, because <laughs> I don't want to sleep in the tent or don't want to be cold, whatever it might be. It's funny, it's funny isn't it? How how some things work out that way. It is strange. It's funny. How long was the summit, mate? Um, day? How many hours did you hike for? Because I was like touching base with Michelle. In fact, what day did you? When did you start? And when did you finish in October? Yeah, so we started on the second which was the Sunday the 2nd, and then the summit starts at midnight on the 7th. So we summited, um, we got there on the 8th. Gotcha, so you got up there on the 8th. And how long was your longest day, your summit day? It was brutal, Frank. There's no getting away from it, yeah. So we started... We started at midnight and they said the summit and they said it takes seven hours. <laughs> we, we got there at 11. <laughs> so oh my goodness. So it's 11 hours to get to the top. And then you, and then you go, we've got to get down again. Yeah. There's no, there's no, there's no cable car. It's like, yeah, that's that's awe-inspiring. I'm on top of Africa. The sun looks amazing. Um, get me out of here now. <laughs> Where's the parachute or the helicopter? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I had a chat with my. It was. I mean, I had a chat with my dad about three and a half hours in. It was dark. It wasn't very pleasant. And I sort of said he looked, he was spent. I mean, totally spent. Well, you don't sleep that night. You're too high, aren't you? So you've had a really bad, well, I say night sleep. If you got up at midnight, you've only had a few hours anyway. But yeah, it's tough. I mean, he was totally spent. And it, and I sort of looked at him and I went, because I, I didn't want to give him an out, but I did worry that... <laughs> he might die, yeah. Oh, it was, this was quite brutal, yeah? And I sort of said to him, are we, are we in? Are we good? And he said to me, I think I can get to the top but I'm not sure I can get down. And I said, okay, all right. So I went and had a chat with the, the chief guide and I said, he said, you know, and he, he, you know, he pretty much man-marked dad for the first, and he man-marked him all the way, actually. So I said to him, dad said, he's not sure he can get down. He went, if he gets there, we'll get him down. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that was it. So we, it took us, we, we actually, we actually did 16 hours that day. So we got back to base camp and then they went, you've got an hour. And we need to go, and then we need to we need to descend further because you can't. We don't want you to sleep at this height. Can you imagine? We looked at each other and went, "We've got to go again in an hour." <laughs> <laughs> We've yeah. got to go again, and Dad That's collapsed, so funny. collapsed an hour out um, of the final camp, and they just piggybacked him in. <laughs> it was like this oh, is amazing! Oh, that's awesome. Having a challenge every year, I think, is massive, Jason. Just keep stepping out of your comfort zone i think that's huge you did the ice bath challenge didn't you last year at the retreat i think it's important to do so mate i really appreciate you coming on the podcast i love working with you and mentoring you i'm so joyful about what you and michelle have achieved you've just taken the system and followed it and you're reaping all the benefits and i i'm absolutely over the moon for you jason buckler Thank you, sir. Thank you, Frank. Have a good day. My pleasure. Ladies and gents, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Sophisticated Property Investing Podcast. Until next time, happy investing. Sophisticated Property Investing, a podcast brought to you by Ethical Property Partners, the experts in sophisticated property investment.